first of all gratitude for this space which of course has come as a gift of grace i am sure of the divine mother and um, special privilege for all those who are involved in um, taking care of this wonderful space hidden somewhere in the interior it gives me the feeling like the soul hidden inside not visible on the surface and when you enter its sanctuary then you begin to experience what it means to be in the close presence of the divine yes uh, the first day when i saw the little poster in uh, the ashram uh, my instant uh, instant response was that i must visit here otherwise so many all kinds of things come and go and i am so grateful to the mother that she gave me an opportunity to come here and feel this place so full of love for her and so full of her love after all human love to the divine is nothing else but the divine love turning back to its source it is the divine who loves us first <clears throat> and then we can little bit turn towards that It's our way of connecting the divine connects first by pouring his divine love which he does on a whole creation but sometimes there are some fortunate uh, beings prepared by special grace in whom this love begins to turn back towards the source universalizes itself in search of the deity and we call that bhakti it's a rare privilege well this wonderful exhibition on the mother's feet there is a mystery which um, to which even the gods are they are envious of us envious of human beings first because human beings carry in them the psychic presence which is nothing else but a portion of the divine it is given to us as a special privilege that is why when we use the word orphan it doesn't mean anything when we take to a spiritual life because there is no orphan in everyone the divine is there and that presence is the one which guides us through life sometimes it is through physical parents sometimes it is through many hands shastra roop dharini and um, the other mystery which the gods do not understand but which is a special privilege of the earth is the divine embodiment what is called as the avatar and we are so fortunate to be living in this age the age of mother and shurbindo so close to their presence when the embodied divine walked upon earth it is said in the scriptures in the vedas that uh, or let me put it like this that sometimes we say that man created god in his image well it is true that in a sense we do tend to humanize the divine because <laughs> we try to look at him as you know if we are judgmental we think that divine also judges us punishes us and rewards us but there is another deeper truth that uh, god made man in his own image that's what the bible puts it and if you really look at the vedas so much is the togetherness between the two that the word used for describing man and the word used for describing god are same purusha 
and he is even described as a being with face and chest and arms and legs and feet and each part represents something some action of the divine the gaze of the divine it awakens the soul uplifts it we know mother's action you know when she would look and enter deep inside the secret hidden territories of her being until she touches the soul and she even says that there are some who are transparent to allow my gaze to go deep inside and others who offer a lot of resistance so this is the action of the divine gaze the divine speech and here again we are so fortunate we have the mother's recorded speech and shurbindo's and the mother's written speech it uplifts the mind opens doors upon doors to infinite possibilities infinite verities of truth and then we have the rare privilege of the divine embrace it's not just one champaklal or one amrita even now one can receive that embrace and that embrace means the divine holds us in the cocoon of his protection because from the chest and the arms the power the, the strength that comes out the virious we know when we look at the description of the purusha so to be close to the divine heart is to be most protected the mother says divine love is the greatest refuge the greatest protection the other day we were speaking about the story of prahlad nothing can touch somebody who has been held in the embrace embrace of divine love and then come the divine feet and what do the feet represent the feet represents the divine's action on matter padabhyam prithvi that's how the vedas put it the feet wherever the divine touches by his feet there flows a current of the divine truth divine light divine power into the very atoms and matter begins to receive that touch and the beauty of matter receiving the touch is that it does not lose it unlike other parts which very often find it very difficult to hold and keep that touch but once matter receives the touch it tends to keep it it's that's how it is it's like learning by doing you know when people learn to type then they don't have to remember it it goes into the fingers it's a memory which the earth will never forget and uh, it is not meant to forget it's going to unfold itself more and more on a very personal note that's what when people ask me why are you here and there for me the only significance is that mother has been mother has touched this place mother has touched that mother has seen and that itself carries a deep meaning because wherever she has touched places by her feet things begin to change that's the action of the divine feet on matter that's why to be at the feet of the divine to touch the divine feet means that we are participating in the movement of transformation of matter perhaps this is the reason that the mother was not if we look at it outwardly the expression would be she was not fond of letting people touch her feet this is a fact when you know people would want to touch her feet she, she was not very encouraging about it the deeper reason is that where is the matter ready to contain the touch of that power 
So what she would be doing is, as of course we all, many of us may be aware, she would be wearing the tabi, which we see so beautifully in some of them. And the beauty of these tabis are, you, when we come inside, we don't have to take them off. We can be in the room with those. When we come out, we can step directly into the shoes and walk. So very rarely we will see actually that she is, the feet are bare and touching the ground. It's a tremendous power. And that's why when the divine is embodied and one gets a chance to touch those feet, even to behold those feet, it's the rarest of rare privilege. When Shurabindu was asked this question that why is it that surrender to the Guru is regarded as the surrender of surrenders? Why not inside? Often, you know, the same way when somebody says, yes, Divine Mother, so she is inside, it's true. But the Divine Mother embodying in a physical body is something still greater. And that's how Shivindra puts it, that surrender to the Guru is regarded as the surrender of surrenders because by doing it, even the external being participates in the surrender and the joy of surrender. You know, when we bend down, when we touch the feet, it's not just a gesture. It can be done just as a gesture. Very beautifully, Champaklalji narrates an incident and is there in Shurabindu's life also. <laughs> Somebody touching her feet and just lying there for some time and mother is just smiling, knowing fully well that there is nothing inside. And another instance where the person does that and Amalkiran narrates this instance and then touches the left and the right and then and the mother says so beautiful let us stay here it's the inner bhava then when we do it then it's a participation of the body how can we allow the body to participate in the inner movement except when there is the embodied divine and he places his feet her feet upon earth so as we know that today is the day it's a very special day and um, it's a special day in many ways. Uh, I'm often reminded of when I think of this day as that famous aphorism of Sri where he speaks of four great events in the history of earth. Crucifixion of Christ, which humanized Europe. The siege of Troy, which brought a sense of beauty, a unity, all this in the world. Then... Sri Krishna was exiled from Vrindavan, which created devotional movement. And of course, the great colloquy on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, which yet liberates humanity. But as we know that Sri is a perfect gentleman, not fond of speaking about him. But we as child, his children can always blabber. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and I am sure that what he has concealed is, and of course, it hadn't happened at that time because we know that these thoughts and aphorisms were written, most of them before 1914. That this is the fifth great event which overrides all of them and it is the mother's coming and meeting Shurabindo. Which will transfer far-reaching significance. In Savitri, there is one line which conjures this meeting. An hour began the matrix of new time. It's the matrix of new time. The very first thing that comes to mind is the mother's coming to India, setting her feet on the Indian soil means the shift of the balance of power from the West towards Asia. 
if we just look a little behind for 2000 years right from socrates a whole evolutionary movement was going on in europe amazing such power of thought such kind of conquest in every way great philosophies many things were born but then there is a new cycle which has to become begun and that cycle starts with india as the center so it's but natural that she comes here but along with this event there is the another significance and that is the east and the west coming together so now the new cycle which is starting is not a cycle where the divine action will be confined to one particular space but it's going to become more and more but her coming here means that the center will be within india and as we know she landed on 28th march to india not 29th march is pondicherry 28th march she landed in india and when i think of the journey i can't help but uh, look at it from another uh, significant angle if we trace a journey from colombo where she landed on 27th march and 28th march she traveled to india and where did she come first place is called dhanushkoti i don't know whether some of us may have heard about it it no more exists it's declared as a ghost town in 64 it was drowned probably in whole old world drowned with it it was a very tragic event from one point of view but she landed in dhanushkoti now dhanushkoti among its many mysteries one of the mysteries is that dhanushkoti is near the sea but if you dig anywhere you will get very sweet water <laughs> i know a little bit about dhanushkoti because my mundan was done in rameshwaram so i have heard lot of stories about it but the beauty of dhanushkoti is that dhanushkoti is the place from where lord rama went all the way to lanka so it's a bridge through which he traveled to lanka even now if you want to see that bridge that's where they say you can't see except through satellite imagery but that's the place where actually the bridge started that's the place where mother comes so was it the return of the shakti after a long long journey this bridge the divine mother as sita being taken by the asuric nature bearing its stamp and that's the story about the rama and sita separation and if you really look at this story where does this really start it starts from the day you know with veda speak about the bride of brahman where the bride has gone far 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 away into the darkness and time and again in age to age we see on the earth as part of the earthly leela the two trying to come together the divine shakti bringing with her all that has been gathered till then and offering at the feet of the lord but for some reason or the other they do not meet there is separation we see that we see that in the time of rama she goes all the way comes back of course not the same way but by pushpak viman as the uh, mythology says ramayana says but they have to be separated the world is not ready the two cannot be together radha shakti they cannot live together the world is not ready christ we don't even know he she is in the background all that we know is the seven sorrows of the mother shivindo um immortalizes them in savitri the mother of the seven sorrows bore whom is she bearing she is bearing in a womb the divine child who is a virgin birth 
Only when earth is pure enough can this divine child really be born in the true sense. It's not pure enough. So she takes all the sorrows within herself. The seven stabs, it's so beautifully described in Savitri. So they are not able to be together. It's a strange Leela. But then, this is a new age and finally the Shakti completes the whole journey and comes back. The even here, Earth is not ready, world is not ready. Within months of the mother's coming here, the war breaks out. And Sri very clearly said this was a war which was, because she had come, a whole new era had to start. When mother goes to Paris, most often we know that she went from Paris, um, France, all the way back to, or rather all the way to Tokyo because uh, outer conditions were such. But the mother reveals that there were inner problems because revolutions were taking place, her very presence. And so she had to move about. And then we see that the war ends, all the vital forces troop upon earth to make sure that this one event doesn't take place. This means the end of the old world, the end of the usurpation of the Shakti by the forces which have stamped for long their influence upon it, but an end not by destruction. And that's where we see a new twist in the divine tale, an end by dissolution or transformation. This is the new twist and it's so amazing. I mean. The divine has a penchant for starting everything from the very opposite. The other day I was reading the history of Auroville and I am sure many of us are private to it. How uh, terrible things started. And people if you read the account of those days will say, Oh, it's just the opposite. It's supposed to be a utopia. It's supposed to be a place of unity. And it starts with utter division. Well, why not? That's how the divine starts. He started creation by scattering the one light into countless brilliant stars. And then wove a necklace for himself through those stars. That's his way. He starts from the very opposite. And we see the Divine Mother also started a journey like that. Soon after her coming, she had to go to Karaikal because she was on an election campaign. <laughs> and we all know that the person whom she campaigned for, he lost. That's so wonderful. Losses are good. Because if he would have won, it would have meant something terrible. <laughs> See how the divine works. If we look at it outside, we our human yardsticks, human measures. And then she had to stay in Karaikal in a room which was dark, dingy. And she says it was a feasting ground for the white ants. Not to speak of the rodents. So she had to experience the very opposite of what she came to create, so that she knows what is the material on which she has to work. If you read the mother's prayer just one day before her coming here, that before 30th March, we see she is saying that, I entrust to thee all these weak souls. She knows that man is not ready. And as we know that famous inner conversation of Mother and Shurabindo, which she speaks of, where she asks Shurabindo, is man ready? And Sri says, if you have to wait for man to be ready, we have to wait forever. <laughs> we have to make man ready. And that's how we understand how is she making man ready? Simply by setting her feet on earth. Because after all, why are we not ready? Because we take this matter and we forget who we are 
we are driven by all kinds of forces to which matter has been which have been stamped upon matter it's the very nature of matter because it has been stamped by all the animal and so many rakshasi asurik and subhuman ranges and so it naturally responds to that so the first thing is to forget who we are and why we have come here and we have to regain even that much ground with so much of difficulty and so much of it's a quite a hazard and then of course the next step and further and further so this matter must change so setting foot on the ground means starting of this new cycle of change of matter so we have these two or three special significances of this day and you know beautifully described when we talk about preparation and readiness sometimes i wonder why did the mother come of course he gives an outer reason but divine as you know he likes to play little bit of hide and seek so we should not just get that word and say oh that's why she saw krishna and very nicely sometimes i feel she is playing with us when she says oh why did i come here because i saw in my dreams someone and you know i used to call him in my visions krishna and this is a standard thing which we keep writing but i often ask her tell us the inner reason so so the line that came to my mind when i was thinking of the inner reason first was a line in savitri a world's desire compelled her mortal birth perhaps she felt the anguish of an age how much humanity must be suffering was it humanity that called her or was it the subhuman brood the plant so were seeing that man is destroying us may have sent a silent cry please come please come please come all nature dumbly calls to her alone to heal with her feet the aching throb of life and break the seals on the dim soul of man and kindle her fire in the closed heart of things she must have heard this call so beautifully we see every day the divine mother comes as usha she is the first goddess and we see in savitri the description a form from far beatitudes came to near ambassadoress twixt eternity and change she saw these spaces ambassadoress bit between eternity and change she saw the spaces ready for her feet that wrapped the fated journeyings of the stars then she looks back and sees that the sun is half veiled but what happens when she touches so beautifully described all grew a consecration and a right so everything there is a kindling that takes place in matter in nature in in beast in bird man is the last to respond so maybe she heard the dumb cry of insentient things crying to her you know we have stories in the puranas before the divine comes down there is an event which take place which is very important very interesting prithvi earth goddess she goes and says i am tormented by the asura please come to my rescue the asuras are cutting the jungles they are destroying things they are on a rampage they are just living life out of selfish greediness and the divine says okay i'll come so he comes because prithvi calls shubindu says that if earth calls and the supreme answer the hour can be even now it's the call from the earth or maybe or along with these two 
there was the call from the avatar himself doesn't he say in the durga stroot come revealer of the hero path this is the hero path path of the heroes where you have to fight with the ego self <laughs> can't even make out where it is <laughs> because it's so badly intertwined in the very twitchings of the cells come revealer of the hero path and then he says something very beautiful he says we shall not cast thee away now if once you come we shall bind thee forever with the tie of faith and love this what because every time we see in india the great goddess comes and she is cast away why she is cast away because man recognizes he can't keep her if durga were to stay all through the year then his mahisasur vrittis will not find expression so he after 5 days casts her away it's a very unfortunate event there is no greater tragedy than the divine having to go back from the earth just as there is no greater joy than for the divine to take birth in a mortal body human body so he says we shall not cast thee away how are we going to bind her not by anything external not by any ritual not by any external things not by offering something outer but by the tie of devotion and love and faith this what shurbindo expects of us because it's one thing that the divine mother has come and quite another to keep her with us to make us worthy of her presence so i thought we'll read with this background something from amrit das darshan of shurbindo where he sees shurbindo they are one and the same and um, what should be our attitude this this how i i often you know like to spend these days what should be our attitude when when this happens of course first we should learn to call her she has come to earth she has come to pondicherry she has come to various places the first thing is has she come into her heart of course she has but are we aware of that there is a beautiful passage from savitri we'll read that and then amritdas experience all with the coming fills when satyavan is face to face with savitri is overwhelmed it's not just that oh you have come my eyes have be healthy all all with the coming fills air soil and stream the whole atmosphere is filled with thee wear bridal raiment to be fit for thee and sunlight grows a shadow of thy you what a powerful line this is and one can feel it actually in the ashram atmosphere and orville i was just mentioning this as i was coming that at ah, the moment you enter the periphery of orville you begin to feel that special atmosphere it's something so perceptible so palpable i'm sure moving out we feel the same way same thing with the ashram the moment you come and actually within a certain radius of uh, pondicherry the whole atmosphere matter keeps that stamp forever and forever because of change within me by thy look come nearer to me from thy car of light on this green sward disdaining not our soil for here 
are secret spaces made for thee. This matter has those spaces where the divine can fill and we have to call. This is our part of the work. Sometimes the divine comes in uninvited, but that is a terrible hour of God. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the roofs are blown off, the earthquakes. So it's better to call him and be little ready. Otherwise, if he comes uninvited, <laughs> he brings revolutions wherever he goes uninvited. The last we know he went uninvited was in the assembly of the Kurus, uninvited. They didn't call him, but he went still. And the result was a great war, a revolution. So we should invite and call and prepare the ground. Whose caves of emerald long to screen thy form, will thou not make this mortal bliss thy sphere? This is something which is unique to earth. Special privilege. Descend, O happiness. With thy moon gold feet. Enrich earth's floors upon whose sleep we lie. We know we are fallen in a state of tamas. The moment we enter into this body, into this physical matter, it is like a sleep and a forgetting. That's why it is said our birth is a sleep and a forgetting. Because that's the nature of matter. So he is calling the Divine Mother, enrich earth's floors upon whose sleep will I. Oh, my bright beauties, Princess Savitri. She has to be everything. The coveted princess of the house. It doesn't like, okay, Savitri is there, the Divine Mother is there, she has a little kona, corner in the cupboard. <laughs> she is going to occupy the whole being. She is not going to spare. That much is sure. And that's how it should be. So he addresses her as bride, beauties, princess, Savitri. Even as a princess, we must love her. By my delight and thy own joy compelled. Surrender cannot be done. We can't compel somebody to surrender. It is a free will's gift. My own delight. There should be a joy. At one place, Mother says, there is no talk of renunciation in this yoga. So, of course, sometimes people think, oh, that means we can do anything. <laughs> she explains it beautifully. She says, because as long as you feel you are renouncing and feeling pained at the sacrifice, it has no meaning from the divine point of view. <laughs> divine doesn't like it. He will say, Baba, please continue. Don't pull a long face and say, I am leaving this, sacrificing this for you. He will say, no, please. <laughs> Be happy. A day will come, you will understand. You, will, you are eating this. Um, you know, Sri Ramakrishna used to say, Godka Mithai, one day I will make you taste Rajbhog. All my diabetic fantasies. So, <laughs> this will go away. <laughs> so, he is saying, by my own delight. And thy joy. I am calling, but we don't know whether you are also happy coming or not. Long time in yoga, we call and call, but nothing may happen. There comes a time when the divine says, yes, accepts. That becomes the beautiful moment for the mothers coming to us individually. Enter my life, thy chamber, 
and thy shrine. This is where we have to build a temple. This is where we have to enshrine us. This is where her feet must always be there. We should hold it with ties of devotion and faith and surrender. So we'll close with this beautiful experience of Amrita. We know that as a young lad, he would come, 13, 14, he was studying in Kalve College in Pondicherry. And through Subramanyam Bharti and Krishna Swami Ayyar and these people, he came to know of Shirobindo. He described very interestingly, that what we are going to read is before. But later on when mother came and suddenly one day Krishna Swami Ayyar told him, hey, you know what, only inmates have to stay because two great European savants are coming here. And Amrita felt what many of us have felt several times. <laughs> what? Inmate? I am not an inmate. You are not an inmate, human nature. <laughs> you are not an inmate, not yet an inmate. And Amrita describes how he felt very bad all, all night. I am not an inmate. <laughs> and he describes that very beautifully. <laughs> well, there was no ashram to be an inmate. That time inmate meant only those who were living with Shurabindo. There were a handful of people, six or seven or whatever. And they had their very Bohemian lifestyle. And he Nolnida describes what happened when mother came. See how we respond. The Divine Mother comes. And Nalnita says our first response was, well, European has come in our midst. Should we change our lifestyle? Then he says, no way. We like our Bohemian way of life. They used to live in a Bohemian way, you know. Pants somewhere, chapel somewhere. <laughs> Moving in birthday suits, not short of that. <laughs> So why should we change? So all these thoughts were there. And they continued. And mother, how she would teach, it was her way. When with disciples, she would not make herself feel special. Amrita recounts that he didn't, he said, we all knew she is a great yogin. But who she is, he was concealing. So he says, what, what was his first inter interaction with mother? He used to read that book, The Yogic Sadhan, with the mother. Now, how would he read? Mother would be sitting on one chair and close to her, on similar chair, Amrita would be sitting. And they would be reading. And Amrita says, if somebody saw from a distance, they wouldn't know whether I was teaching her or she was teaching me. <laughs> and that's how she accepted everybody. Not that you don't know who I am. And she became one of us, just like us. That's what Shubhinda says, why the mother could take this burden of yoga? Because she could become us, she could identify with the earth. And then, but when it came to Shurabindo, when Shurabindo is seated, all these people used to sit around him again on the same chair, same height chair. So she said, they are supposed to be Indians, but they have forgotten all Indian culture. So she sat on the floor and slowly, you know, they started feeling bad that, you know, we have to also learn. <laughs> so they started sitting on the floor because uh, mother is showing the way. That is how she showed the way towards a greater life, a new life. So Amrita recounts what happened when he went for his first darshan of Shurabindo. 
First darshan, of course, is very interesting. First, that's not the darshan, but it is a darshan in another way. First darshan he had was of Shurabindu's feet. And he wanted to have a glimpse and one day Subramaniam Bharti says, come, we can take the chance because the door of Shurabindu's was bolted from inside. It used to remain open. So he said, no, no, it is bolted. So maybe we, you have your chance, come here because now only Shurabindu will come and open it. So they knocked the door. He is waiting to catch a glimpse. Shubindu came, opened the bolt, turned and walked away. All that he could see was the hairs flowing on the back and he saw the feet and he described such beautiful, small feet. Both of them had small and of course beautiful and tender feet. Shubindu's feet had a golden hue and mother's feet a pink hue. And he saw the feet. He says, that's the glimpse I could catch. But I said, oh, my heart was so filled. And then came the day, Shurabindu's birthday. And those days, the celebration was that they would have some rice or something prepared and Shurabindu would come and everybody would wait and he would look at everybody, look at that and then he would sit and each one would go file past. Much like today, but of course, very a uh, lot more informal so he's now Amrita has gone to have this darshan on the darshan day. So this is the experience of that on Shurabindu's birthday. My heart too unwittingly with no doors to close or conceal anything free of confusion or perplexity wide open sewed up in sheer delight. Just this idea that he is going to have the darshan. People often ask, what should be our state? This is the state. No windows, no doors. Everything is wide open. Nothing to conceal. Nothing like I must look like a sadhu bacha. Divine doesn't care. He sees transparency. He loves transparency. And if we are not, he makes sure we become transparent <laughs> by the touch. So, first of course, Bijokanta goes and then it is his turn. And then he, remember, he says, Whether I walked to him or took a leap to him, I do not know. What I remember is that a lamp was lit everywhere in me. And I saw in a spontaneous and automatic movement in front of me an intense celestial beauty. My being unknowingly swam, as it were, in a sea of silence. It fell prostrate at the lotus feet of the master. It did not even utter, my refuge, my refuge. But lay there, body, life and mind, all together a single block. And the mother describes the forms of surrender the divine, one of them is lying prostrate at the divine feet and opening each and every part single block no other confusion no other thought body, life and mind Shurabindo touched me with his flower like hands and made me stand up I drank the drink he gave me he doesn't say which drink of course, the outer drink, but so much more that he must have drunk inside. And of course, there was nobody to say, hurry up, hurry up. So that was... That 
eternal sight will still lives in my memory in the same form i do not know why i burst into tears burst into sobs as i clasped him tears streamed down from my eyes the purifying streams the catharsis of all the anguish which we carry in our hearts tears of joy all these tears come together and flow to wash the divine feet and these tears are much more in their purifying effect than the holy water of the ganges because they are tears shed at the feet of the lord mother describes this experience so beautifully in prayers and meditation suddenly before the my pride fell all the veils were torn and i cried before thee and i wept before thee the sweetest tears of my life so these are the tears the sobs was it that i had attained the celestial joy of indralok or were they the regrets of my ego watching the imminent end of this its life can't keep the two prem gali ati sankari tame dona samahi जब मैं था तब हरी नहीं जब हरी तब मैं नहीं द टू कैनॉट गो टूगेदर आइदर इट इज द लॉर्ड्स नेम द लॉर्ड्स प्रेजेंस और द ईगो सेल्फ सो द ईगो सेल्फ नोज दैट इट इज गोइंग टू एंड एंड देन इज समथिंग वेरी ब्यूटिफुल भक्ति इज अ डिवाइन एक्विजिशन ए थिंग ऑफ वंडर इट कैनॉट हैव इट्स बर्थ विदाउट डिवाइन ग्रेस फॉर एवरीथिंग एल्स देर इज अ प्रोसेस शिविंद सेज दैट इन सिंथिस he says for gyani yoga the yoga of divine integral self knowledge there is a way for the yoga of divine works there is a way but he says when it comes to divine love he says you cannot systematize it like other systems you can't say okay first do this though he says but those who systematize it use these ways manan darshana ityadi nididhyasan he says that but he says actually you can't systematize it because there is it's so beautiful that no human tongue can ever utter in fact he goes on to say for the bhakta is indeed the very self of the beloved nothing is impossible or denied to the god lover for he is indeed the very self of the beloved if you ask the divine who is your self <laughs> he is himself but if you ask who is yourself he will say all those who love me this is the beauty of the bhakti he says it can only come by grace when the heart is aroused from sleep by the all ruling grace one sees that greatness it is so delightful to the sight that only one's life possessed of the knowledge of the lord's universal state and the transcendent state will know how to live at once in all the three states it's so amazing normally we know that divine has this triple status the individual the universal and the transcendent all three states merge into one in the bhakta's heart why is he saying that because the yoga through divine works he first universalizes transcendent the gyani first touches that but the bhakta when he clutches the feet of the lord all three are simultaneously given to him as an act of grace and then he describes a very beautiful story when he does that he remembers a marvel of many years before and that marvel was that he used to go in the evening when you know in ancient 
ancient India, <laughs> they used to have Sandhya Vandan. Now we hardly even are aware of it. So mornings and evenings, there used to be a compulsory prayer enjoined upon, at least the Brahmins had to do this. So he used to go to his nearby place and uh, these people will come and do this Vandana and he would like to hear their mantras. One day, suddenly when they were beginning to return, suddenly Amrita is a young lad, maybe 9 or 10, he saw in front of him a bluish ball of light, uh, size of a palm fruit. And then that light began to open up everything inside him. And he was lost in a reverie. And then he sees this light after some time, maybe about 10 minutes, maybe longer, it goes southwards and vanishes. This memory remained in him for a long time and that time he went into a trance. He didn't understand, but time to time he would see this blue light. And when he came to have darshan of Shirobindu, touched his feet for the first time, he says, once again, I saw that blue light. The vision came before me. And then he says, this light had done its purpose. And what was the purpose? To take us to the feet of the divine. Let me close with this little story of Kapali Shastriji and maybe some lines of Savitri. Uh, I was deeply touched, of course. He's a great um, yogi and so much he has written, particularly Siddhanjana, Bhashya of the Rigveda. But the story that touched me most was having been a Siddha of many paths of yoga, the Tantra, the traditional Vedanta, coming from the lineage of Raman Maharshi, then coming to, you know, he had rare experiences, then coming to mother. And one day somebody asked him that, uh, you have uh, uh, done so many different types of sadhana. What did you really get out of them? Something to that effect. He suddenly shot up. said, why? It brought me to the feet of the Divine Mother. Is there anything more that one can ask for? And I'll close with these lines from Savitri where Ashupati encounters these feet and what he does. This is of course in Book 2, Canto 14 where the world soul at the end Ashupati experiences, sees, actually sees the one who brings out the Ishwara and the Ishwari in their dual play, world play. Above them all she stands, supporting all. This soul, omnipotent goddess ever veiled, of whom the world is the inscrutable mask, the ages are the footfalls of her tread. Their happenings, the figure of her thoughts. And all creation is an endless act. And there is a beautiful line at the beginning of all this. Ever she waits on the austere peaks, waiting for us. She waits for us. His spirit was made a vessel of her force. Mute, in the fathomless passion of his will, he outstretched to her his folded hands of prayer. 
one of the many things about Brahmanaspati is the power of prayer. Of course, Shobindo has beautifully uh, given the meaning and I see it here already written. So it's very beautiful, I think, straight from Shobindo. Um, the meaning, the field of action of the soul exp in expression. It's also the power of knowledge which conquers obstacle. But one of the meanings is the power of prayer that goes straight to Brahman, uplifts us. So this the... Then, in a sovereign answer to his heart, a gesture came as a world's thrown away. The Divine Mother throws the worlds. You want to choose them? Choose. You can be Trilokadipati if you want. But also she raises an arm and opens the doors to the eternal. One arm half parted the eternal veil. A light appeared still and imperishable. Attracted to the large and luminous depths of the ravishing enigma of her eyes. He saw the mystic outline of a face overwhelmed by her implacable light and bliss an atom of her illimitable self mastered by the honey and lightning of her power tossed towards the shores of her ocean ecstasy drunk with a deep golden spiritual wine he cast from the rent stillness of his soul a cry of adoration and desire and the surrender of his boundless mind and the self-giving of his silent heart. He fell down at her feet unconscious Prone 